What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Track 17, Sad Boy Hours. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, thank you guys for all the support so far. We're actually going to shut down the podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, I'm your host, The Rook. I'm joined by the medical guy. Um, the analyst and the kid are unable to join us. They are working men tonight, um, but they definitely have a lot to say for this podcast. So I appreciate you got I appreciate you joining the podcast once again. I think this is your you got a little streak going on here yeah. this week. So uh always happy to do it. But per usual, we want to get straight into the shatter the script segment, which we got a funny one for you guys. And it's not what you're expecting. You're probably expecting a a a defense mechanism of our Dallas Cowboys. Well, yeah, you're in the wrong place. So let's uh Let's check out Micah Parsons on his podcast, The Edge. George Kittle had three touchdowns on us, and he posted this thing to IG. He said, F Dallas. I just feel like he's making it more, way more personal than it had to be. Kittle's my guy, but I'm going to say this. Laugh now, cry later. We got something for that. Just trust. If we see them again, just trust. And we're going to put it just like that. I ain't going to put too much on it. You're going to make it personal. We can make it personal. That's cool. Yeah. So bottom line, um, the one thing I would say to that as the music is blaring my ears, uh, shut the hell up. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I can't stand behind that playing like a bunch of ugh, like a bunch of babies out there whining and crying. And I won't say too much on the whole ordeal because we're going to get into that probably four hour segment once we recap and predict most of the games. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is just making it worse. And, of course, Debo followed it up with some, you know, it was personal. That's why it was 42 to 10 sort of deal. They they went full Russia on Ukraine on our ass. So, <laughs> yeah, shut up. Play, shut up and play. You know, like, whatever your thoughts on that are, that – before I say too much, that's all. That's all I got. For the yeah, man, I I, I kind of agree with you. I hate the whole term about the shut up and play thing and whatnot, but at the same time, like you just got drummed up and down the field. And anybody that's been a Dallas Cowboy fan for an extended amount of time knows about the rivalry between the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, and it is or it has seemed personal for forever. I mean, you see the whole clips. In the past of, you know, T.O., Deion Sanders, uh, Jerry Rice, you know, all those guys, you know, just kind of hating each other. The catch, everything, it goes back for a while. And to see, like, hey, it wasn't personal. Y'all made it personal. It's like uh, that ass whooping seemed kind of personal. Um, <laughs> and so it's just kind of interesting that the <laughs> that the first thing that you do after that is is go to go to a podcast and say like, Hey, it's not personal, but now it is. It's like, well, maybe you should have made it a little more personal and you know, it wouldn't have been a 32 point victory. And, you know, you just got dog walked up and down the field all day in every aspect of the game, except maybe kicking. And so uh, that's, that to me is, is kind of a brutal look, but hopefully, you know, in contrary to how the game went, maybe we can now, walk the walk and talk the talk from here on out rather than just talk the talk and then get dog walk. So, yeah. Um, so that's all I have on it. Uh, pretty, pretty brutal look, but hopefully going forward, it gets much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. We've got the schedule to do it, to prove it. 
we're playing a lot of good teams. So there's a lot of ball to play. And the Cowboys have an opportunity to show that they are a really good team and that 49ers are just that much better. Um, but, yeah, let's get into some NFL recap. We're going to start out with the Jags and the Bills in London, the 8:30 game. Um, final score of this one was 25-20 to 20 Jaguars. Um, I think you have a couple of stuff on this. I know we kind of last minute were – adjusting uh with the kid i have some notes from the kid if you'd like me to lead but if you got some stuff on this game you can i'll let you i'll let you lead on that on this one yeah i can i'll lead on the next two uh since i'm filling in for the kid a little bit and then we'll let you add them at the end uh but i'm sure uh they're probably going to be pretty pretty similar and whatnot um but yeah jags bills 25 to 10 the good old london game um I thought Trevor Lawrence looked great. Stats looked great. I know he had a couple fumbles. Uh, he had three. Two of them were lost. Not ideal, but, you know, didn't didn't let that destroy the game for him. Still came out and played. Uh, I think Christian Kirk on that offense is kind of the hidden gem that a lot of people are forgetting about. They paid that guy a lot of money um, and then obviously went and got Calvin Ridley, and he's kind of been the prime focus and whatnot. But I think having Christian Kirk – as that solid wide receiver number two who may not blow up the stat sheet every now and then, but, you know, kind of do like he did this game and go for about six for 50 or six for 70, stuff like that. I think that's really going to be like, oh, crap, we got another guy to take care of uh, on top of Evan Ingram as well as Travis Etienne um, and whatnot. So I think he's kind of that hidden hidden hero in that big-time offense and whatnot. Um, moving on to that next point about Travis Etienne, uh, big time coming out game this year, uh, just lit up the stat sheet and yeah. and probably carried a lot of fantasy teams. So that's good to see, uh, especially in the second year and whatnot. Um, now, kind of to the Bills. Uh, yeah, they showed up on Friday and basically had to get off the plane, do a walkthrough, and essentially there, since the time change is so different, you have to stay up so you can get accustomed to like when you go to sleep, stuff like that and then play a game on Sunday against obviously a decent opponent. Um, and so I, I thought that was, that was crazy on the traveling and planning part. I can't imagine, you know, having, having to do that in that short period of time. Um, yeah. Onto the bills offense, obviously Allen and his wide receivers put up great numbers, helped my fantasy team out a lot in one of my leagues, you know, with Allen and Diggs, I kind of have them bundled up together on one team. So usually how they go is how my fantasy team goes. Um, and then kind of moving towards, uh, yeah, and to moving towards, like, how you kind of defend defend the Buffalo Bills, it seems like more of a bend, don't break kind of mentality. Like, hey, you know, don't let them make these crazy plays and kind of make them speed up and kind of get out of rhythm. And it seems as if when they get out of rhythm and things don't go their way, the team kind of breaks down. I know we saw videos of, and I've seen it in the past, Stephon Diggs kind of throwing a temper tantrum and Josh yeah. Allen kind of being, both of them kind of being on opposite ends of the spectrum of each other right now. And so I, it seems like, you know, kind of getting them a little off kiltered and, and negative in a way causes them to kind of not necessarily shut down, but get thrown off their game enough to where, you know, they make mistakes or, you know, they're not moving the ball as well and stuff like that. Um, so that was kind of my kind of my take on that. I will say my prediction on this was that the Bills would win. 
However, I did mention that the Jaguars would have to play damn near perfect to win this game, and yeah. they basically did. Um, so yeah. shout out to the Jaguars. They look good uh, and kind of showing the blueprint maybe how to beat those guys. So, Yeah. Yeah, all good points, and I'm glad you brought up that they landed on Friday um, because the kid had a couple notes here about, you know, they that they struggled with the jet lag and injuries, you know, um, were included in that with, you know, Milano and Tredavious mm-hmm. White. Um, he, he also noted that Jaguars ultimately had home field advantage with their second game in a row in London. <laughs> and I reference them now as the London Jaguars. Um, and that London now thinks that Trevor Lawrence is Margot Robbie. So oh, but, uh, no need to panic <laughs> for the Bills, according to Hunter. They are still a top team. Um, and, and that practically summarizes, you know, that game. Uh, but my final take on that is, you know, I, I didn't think the Jags were going to pull it out. I haven't really seen much that impresses me. But I – I, I, because what happens is the games that they have won and that they're doing a good job in offensively is when they get Calvin Ridley involved effectively. They're still targeting the hell out of him with eight uh, basically targets a game or more. They had that one dud game with only two. But, you know, outside of that, they got that excellent filler wide receiver who I've said is – a very good wide receiver, a high end number two, deep threat kind of guy. He's great against man coverage. Christian Kirk, like you just mentioned, and um, they get those, you know, just Calvin Ridley alone going um, with Evan Ingram's consistent production. Their run game's pretty strong. They could do some damage, and they showed why you know we expected them to be in the top ten power rankings at the beginning of the year. And then, yeah, once they once the Bills get down. It just looks like backyard football sometimes. It looks like it's Josh Allen hero ball, you know, throw it deep, throw it all over the yard, which they can do, and they can get lucky sometimes, but sometimes they don't, and that's the hit and miss gunslinger. That's the firing from the hit, you know, sort of scheme mentality and all that stuff with digs in the sideline. Personally, I wouldn't read too much into it. The dude had 11 targets with, like, over 150. Yeah. It's like there's no disconnect between Josh and Stefan. I think – he's just passionate about the game that they maybe missed a play that they had miscommunication on specifically that maybe cost him the game. Um, and he was probably pretty passionate about that, but yeah. So yeah, moving on to our next game, the Eagles versus the Rams. Yeah. So uh, I didn't get to watch this one. So I had to go in and do a little research on it and stuff, but Eagles, yeah. Eagles, uh, versus Rams, Eagles take this 24, uh, 23-14. Uh, some of the notes I, I wrote down is, you know, Hurts, he looked good, but not necessarily great. Kind of kind of what Ryan says, it, it seems like they're trying to push the issue of, like, he's got to throw the ball so much. And it just doesn't make sense sometimes because their running game is so great. Uh, you know, they averaged 4.1 yards a carry, and you're like, well, that's not that great. Well, seven of those carries – came from uh, Gainwell, seven carries for 17 right. yards. And it's like, you know, that drove that down big time. Outside of that, they really averaged about six and a half yards a clip. And I think it's just – it just kind of goes away from their identity a little bit, making him throw the ball 38 times a game. Um, and I'm, it's obvious that he can do it. It just seems like why are they pressing the issue so much? Um and that's kind of leading on to my next point is like run the ball. Like they're so good at running the ball that, yeah. I mean, they could as essentially, you know, shut down teams so quickly just by 
like we saw their last game last week where they took a drive that, you know, you had eight minutes left and they took it all the way down, just running the football and essentially squeeze that game out. So um, next point is that A.J. Brown is still a dog. Didn't catch a touchdown, but, I mean, still put up insane numbers. Uh, put up a, a Julio Jones-type game where he had 170 yards and no touchdown. Um, but still looked great. Uh, Eagles defense is still great, especially up front. Uh, in the second half, that's kind of what won them the game. Um, I think the last touchdown was the tush push at the end of the half uh, for the Eagles. That was the last touchdown of the game. Um, and so it just showed how well that defense played um, and how great they are up front, you know, just disrupting everything, whether it be the run or the pass. Um, so that that's going to be one way that they kind of keep that secondary from getting exposed. Uh, not that they're not good, but they're definitely lacking some talent, lacking some playmakers there on that that uh, secondary side uh, to the Rams. I think the Rams are they're an above average team. I think they're good enough to be bad and average teams um, and could maybe sneak away and, and catch, you know, a, a good team on a bad day and win. But it seems like they just don't have whatever it is to get them over the hump. Um, but not definitely not a bad team. Definitely a surprise coming out of there yeah. um, and seeing how they kind of force fed Cooper Cup. It looks like he's just falling right back in line of just being that number one guy. Yeah. Uh, getting him, first drive. <laughs> yeah, getting him back in there as well as Puka and Atwell. Um, you know, they, they got a decent little wide receiver core over there. And so I think they're they're good enough. I don't think they're, you know, just a top-notch team. Um, but I think they're good enough to to win, you know, seven plus, eight plus games this year. Um, and then my last point, this is kind of debunked, kind of like it's kind of a joke, but at the same time, not. Uh, Jake Elliott, the kicker for the Eagles, had 11 of the 23 points for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, since, you know, if you're if you're counting field goals plus extra points, he had 11 of the 23. So almost a little under half their points, uh, just kind of debunking the whole narrative that, you know, uh, kickers don't reflect anything on the offense, you know, because because that doesn't you know, that doesn't pertain that the hard way as Cowboys fans. Yeah, you know, because they they can't win or lose games, right? So, uh, so I, you know, kind of what going back to what we talked about when Joy Taylor was taken away from the offense with Dallas, and then you see, you know, the Eagles' offense getting praised, even though their kicker helped them out a lot, especially in the last two weeks. So, um, those are kind of my last points on the Eagles Rams games. I thought this was one of those games where it's like the Eagles are just better. They were just better than the Rams and and the score and the gameplay just kind of looked at it for, you know, essentially the last touchdown to be scored at halftime. I mean, that's pretty insane. It just showed that the the defense and the whole team in general is just just better than the Rams. So, yeah. um, so I don't know if, if the kid has any more point, uh, points, but I'm going to I'm going to pass it on to you. Yeah. So. I thought this game kind of reflected a lot of what the Eagles and Colts game was last year, where they really struggled and they kind of got away with one. Um, But, you know, to be fair to the Eagles, they kind of maintained control of this game for the entire thing. But, you know, Stafford missed a a dart of a throw over the middle um, that could have gone for six, um, which could have maybe changed things. But if ifs and buts were honey and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Um, (laughs) The thing about the Eagles is, is, 
why we think that they have regressed, regressed. And this is why Ryan's point is so relevant is that the Jalen Hurts is not built to throw 40 times a game. He's not built yeah. to throw 35 plus times a game, let alone if you throw him 30 times a game, you're like, all right, we kind of pass a little bit too much than we want to. The whole point of the Eagles offense is to get ahead of the chains and get that defense to basically sink in, sink in, sink in, and you're baiting. And they take that edge player, no matter who it is, or they isolate your best defensive player and make them make a mistake every single play until that one guy baits up and then they chunk it deep. That's their identity. And that's a yeah. perfect RPO deep threat system that they got over there. But we've seen some regression since, you know, Shane Steichen and um, the other coach's name, but I'm forgetting that goes that's on the Cardinals, who are showing that they're pretty great coaches and that they may have built this offensive scheme over there in Philadelphia. And maybe that's why there's some regression this year. Um, so, yeah, so the Eagles will be fine. Their identity is hold, get a lead and hold it. Uh, and then the Rams, everything that you said, I think is perfect. They're average. They're not going to really beat the great teams, the good teams they'll struggle against, but all those bad and average teams that they, they should surpass. So, yeah. All right. Leading into our next game, I, this is you again, I believe, right? Uh, I think you have the Ravens, oh, Ravens Steelers, Steelers, and Texans Falcons. There we go. Which, All I mean, right. this is this Ravens Steelers kind of a shit stain anyway. So yeah, I, I like the reason I wanted to bring this game up is because I was correct about it last week. Um, besides the win, the winner of the game, I said this was going <laughs> to be some nasty, you know, ghetto game where there's going to be low scoring. Avoid the spread because you don't know who's going to win. It's a rivalry. Um, and who would have thought Matt Canada leads the offense to be a top 10 offense? Like, come on now. And that then it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's just brutal to watch. And then he, they go ahead and score with George Pickens and he's in the press box. Like, like he just lost a deck of cards. And then Lamar's box score does not reflect. Uh, yeah. The game that he played, he he had some darts to his yeah. receivers that they just weren't able to come come up with, and of course Mark Andrews dropped that touchdown in the, I think in the end zone, um, yeah the wide receivers were dropping balls like puberty, and Kenny Pickett, are, are Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada elite? No, they yeah. will finish eight and nine. Uh, but yeah, so I thought this game was scrappy. It's one of those rivalry games. It's one of the ones that the Steelers needed – or I'm sorry, the Ravens needed to steal. But it makes so much sense that Mike Tomlin's Steelers team would come out with a victory on this. And then they go – you know, we're in week 15 or 12 or whatever. They're playing for a divisional title because yeah. they have a win from this game so early in the season. And so I, I find that hilarious. I mean, if – if you don't think the NFL is scripted, then you just got to watch this game. <laughs> like, yeah. Matt Canada, is they're, they're screaming fire Matt Canada, and they just beat the Ravens. I mean, it's just yeah. it, it's so atrocious. It reminded yeah. me of the uh, the Cowboys-Raiders game in 2017. We should not have won that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but thank God Jeff Heath, our, our white savior, came in and – <laughs> and, and, and won the game for us. But yeah, um, I had, I just had two points from that game. And one of them is what you said is like, get, get somebody that can catch the ball for Lamar Jackson, please. Um, <laughs> and then the second one is uh, Jalen Warren. Uh, yeah. Needs to get the ball more. 
because that dude, any, like anytime he he seems to get the ball, it's like it's like oh my god, we got somebody that can run fast. It's like whoa, and <laughs> it's just nuts to like to see like you know you're you're a running back. Well, I mean we saw it last year, but you're with the Cowboys, but you're running back too. It's just yeah. like oh wow, we got a running back that can that can run fast. Like wow. Yeah. But those were those are kind of my two points. Uh, I thought it was a ugly game, but at the same time, it was like your stereotypical Raven Steelers, like just ugly game. Yeah. Ugly game. Absolutely. And then of course the Texans Falcons 21-19 Falcons win. Stroud still no interceptions so far on the year. He beats Dak Prescott's record of 176 attempts without interception in the rookies in their rookie season. So respect to CJ Stroud. Is Stroud better than Dak? Um, very impressive start to the year. Um, Atlanta um, eliminated big plays opportunities for Houston as well as themselves in this game. And what I mean for that is their defense is very underrated. They've got a, yeah. probably a close to a top 10, if not top 12 defense in the NFL. They're very scrappy. Uh, Jesse Bates is an excellent safety over there. They've got AJ Terrell and, and I guess Okuda on the other side. I guess he's been playing above average. I could be wrong on that. The PFF analysts are going to come in and say the naysayers are going to say I'm wrong on that one. So I apologize. <laughs> I haven't looked too much into the Atlanta Falcons led by Desmond Ritter. But yeah, to my point of uh, that, they basically took away opportunities from themselves. As I was watching this game, I'm watching the Texans struggle to move the ball and they're trying to field goal, you know, the Atlanta Falcons to death and Ritter's getting every opportunity to score and make this kind of like a two possession game where they can just run away with it with Dijon and Algier on the ground. And then walks in Drake London, who just completely took over the game at wide receiver with some great catches and clutch situations. He had that one on the sideline. Took his helmet off, no penalty. Uh, and yeah, and it was just like, you know, saying some choice words after that. And that's the kind of stuff that fires me up. That's the kind of stuff that makes me want to load up my sleeper app and start acting like I want to have Drake London on my football. <laughs> exactly. But uh, you'll figure out why. In, I don't know why anybody's trust me yet. You know, I got to earn people's trust with the startup sitems. But wait till the startup sitems. Um, and we'll see if I'm correct about this agenda but uh yeah so desmond ritter fun fact 31 and 0 when playing at home to his junior year yeah i, I read I was, that i was like what like yeah. that makes no sense like but but yeah um and, and it's just funny because like talk about debunking the script or shattering the script is you know desmond ritter has been just doo-doo and in this game it was like yeah, okay it's yeah. and and you know just Desmond Ritter played well um, or played better uh, than what he has in the past. Uh, he actually threw the ball to Kyle Pitts, so uh, yeah. you know it's one of those. It's like uh, oh, shit. Who's number eight? Yeah, it's like man, we we do better on offense when we throw it to like one of our best weapons. Like that's nuts. Who would have thought, right? And right. I mean, the other thing is like B. John Robinson just looks like everything that he was advertised. Like, yes, yes. all those different uh, camera angles of him catching that ball while also like uh, juking out an elite of elite NFL player and scoring and making it look easy. I was just like, dude, this guy's just a freak. Like, <laughs> like yeah. he, he is insane. 
And just, it, it's really hard for me to sit there and like, how do you just not give this guy the ball? Like, 30 times a game <laughs> like right yeah i mean the dude the dude's an animal so those, those are just kind of mine i my points is just like desmond ritter, ritter came out um and showed out and uh b john robinson is just a monster and then yeah throw throw the ball to kyle pitts maybe more i think it's time three or four times a game i think it's time for ritter to go bald i i really do <laughs> i don't know if you've ever seen him but I, I he needs to make the move it's a little early for him but he lo- he looks 43 yeah, that's not good. It's yeah. not good. Not good. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. we've got Sunday night football <laughs> recap, <laughs> which we will skip because it's the Cowboys. <laughs> so we're going to yeah. predict the upcoming Giants versus Bills game, which is also a shit game because we get the New York Giants in prime time. So, man, this is going to be – if I, I understand that – my understanding is Daniel Jones is probably out this game. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor is going to fill in. Oh, Jesus. We've got – Saquon's back. <laughs> Saquon is back, yeah. Um, so, we've got this offensive line, <laughs> quote-unquote uh, – Oh my god, dude! I don't even know. I I'm trying to be polite about the the New York Giants. I just they're just the offense. It looks on purpose. It looks like it's on purpose that what they're doing and they have, from what I've seen, zero guys at the wide receiver spot that can actually make a difference. I mean, every time I think Paris Campbell gets the ball, it's negative eight yards, and yeah. I'm not even kidding about that. Like negative eight yards. Um, and of course, the Bills are going to get away with playing that. You know, long ball, scrappy. I mean, they got nobody at, in the secondary, the Giants. There's nobody. Yeah. They ain't got no effective pass rush, at least one that's going to disrupt, you know, Josh Allen. So, th- I mean, this is going to be another public embarrassment for New York City. I mean, I- I'm projecting like a 38 to, you know, maybe 17 ball game. And that's being gracious. Yeah. It feels this heavy. Do we do we have any idea what the spread is? Like what the spread or the money line is? I, I can't imagine. It. I can't imagine it's anything less than ten and a half, maybe oh maybe twelve. What is it? The spread is minus fourteen. Ooh, two touchdowns. The two touchdown spread. Oh, that's a brutal, brutal spread. Shadow but the yeah. Giants. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Ten to nine Giants victory. <laughs> Let's go. Uh yeah, I, I'm with you. It's it's really hard not to be just hypercritical of this game. Um, however, I do think this is a game where the Bills need to just line up and be better. Like just know you're better than the other team. You've got so many more weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You've got so many more decent players on the defensive side of the ball. Um, regardless of the injuries, I just can't imagine, like, if you look at how the 49ers played the Cowboys, where it was like, hey, we're better than you, we're going to line up and and treat you like we're better than you. And just, I can't imagine this game even being close after halftime. Um, yeah. And I, I would imagine, you know, there's going to be, the, there's going to be some high numbers from Josh Allen. Or it's going to be like uh, 
Aaron Rodgers rookie uh, MVP season a few years back where it's like the Packers are up 28 to zero by half and Aaron Rodgers is out of the game by four minutes uh, <laughs> into the third quarter. And you're just, your fantasy teams are going to be like, damn, yeah, like, damn, I only got 21 points from Aaron Rodgers because he threw for 18 for 19 for 180 yards and three touchdowns, but he's out of the game. You're like, damn. And yeah. so I can't imagine this game is any closer than, than that. And I, I'd agree with you. It's going to be like a 35 to 10 ball game. I'm going to go with that. 35, 10 bills. Yeah. Uh, we're, if you're a fantasy owner, uh, if you're a fantasy owner, you are hoping for a Tyrod Taylor masterpiece. Uh, yeah. For the giants keep this game competitive. So, um, yeah, so let's go to it some into some predictions. We're gonna lead us off with the noon game three and two New Orleans versus two and three Houston. The spread is negative 1.5 New Orleans. Um, I think it's gonna be a close, low, low scoring game. Um, I really don't think there's a lot of magic happening on offense for either of these teams. It just when I when I see New Orleans for this game specifically, when I see New Orleans, I just I always think they're holding a team to like 17 to 20 points, but they could still lose. Uh, the Texans dropped the game versus Atlanta. Um, I think if they can convert those field goals into touchdowns uh, and get some more red zone opportunities, we can might see a little bit more magic. But, you know, New Orleans defense is is pretty pretty good. So, like, you can't really sleep on them. They're poorly coached with Dennis Allen. <laughs> but I think we exposed the Patriots. The Cowboys exposed the Patriots week four. And then, you know, if the Saints can beat them like that, which is now their worst loss or Belichick's worst loss in his history, then the uh, the Houston – or, sorry, the uh, New Orleans and Texas game, that you know, maybe something can happen there with for Houston. But, uh, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, Stroud breaks Dak's record for the uh, attempts without an interception. I think the Saints win with Alave and Kamara having an electric game. If they get some good pass bro, uh 23 to 17 Saints um covering the spread. Nice. Yeah, I'm hoping Kamara gets another like 14 catches for yeah, you know, you 85 <laughs> yards and a touchdown or something. Uh but yeah, I agree. That 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 kind of that is like indicative of like a, a noon football game. It's like, yeah, this game will just pass the time until we want to watch the real games. Um because this is just a tough, tough matchup. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I'll, I'll lead us into the the next two, the three twenty five slots. Um, hopefully, hopefully these are a little better. Um, I am kind of making an interesting prediction on this first one with the Eagles versus the Jets. Uh, Eagles are a six and a half point favorite. I think this is kind of a trap game. Um, however, uh, the Jets with Brees Hall have looked like a totally different team. And I think this is going to be kind of a trap game, kind of how the Eagles and the Colts played last year. I think, uh, I think, I think the Jets are going to win twenty-one, Eagles eighteen. Okay. I think this defense is something to mess with. Still, uh, they still got a lot of good people on that side of the ball. I think the offense is getting better and more comfortable, uh, not only with handing the ball to Brees Hall, who is obviously. A uh, top two player on the offense, um, yeah. but I think they're going to have to do that and really get the get the play action game going. There's absolutely zero reason they shouldn't be feeding Garrett Wilson the ball. 
Uh, and I think this is going to be one of those where he, where Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson are going to have to be the, they're going to have to be the deciding factors. Um, and so I think this is going to be a trap game right here for the Eagles, uh, especially with how they've kind of, kind of forced the issue. And this is me saying if they continue to try to force the issue of Jalen Hurts throwing the ball so much, I think this is where they're going to get in trouble is the secondary as shown is not anything to play with on the Jets. So I'm calling it 21 Jets, Eagles, 18 trap game for the Eagles. Yeah. Um, and Yeah. To add to that too, also is that it's a home game for the Jets. You know, that could yeah. be a playing factor as well. Yeah, absolutely. So mark it down, write it down, take a picture, whatever you want to do. I'll probably be wrong, but anyway, Next is, uh, yeah, next is the other 325 slot game, the Lions versus the Bucks. Um, I'm, it, as it's been shown in the last couple of weeks, the Lions, they seem to be doing pretty well. Um, I think this one's going to be another pretty close game. They have the Detroit Lions at uh, minus three. Um, I do, I'm going to take that at, I think the Lions are going to win 31 to 28. I think this is going to be, kind of a semi shootout. I think Baker's kind of uh, shown that he can get into shootouts. I think the Lions, yes, they have Hutchinson and a couple of players, but I think the, the, the Bucks have shown that they can kind of, they can kind of play with, with anybody really. Uh, and I think Baker's kind of shown that he could really, you know, push the ball down the field and score a lot of touchdowns and whatnot. Um, and I think this Lions offense is just nuts. Uh, I don't think Montgomery's going to run as well as he's been running. Um, but I think they're they're really going to have to feed uh, their receivers the ball. And we'll get into it with uh, the two-minute drill and the injury report and stuff like that. Uh, but <clears throat> Amon St. Brown, still kind of questionable with, with whatever he's got going on. Um, a lot of this score will depend on if he's there. If he's not, they're, they're going to have to run the ball a lot. Uh, and then, you know, feed – you know, Sam Laporta, uh, he's obviously a top weapon on that. And if they can figure out how to kind of shut him down, I think that really, uh, I think that really is going to dictate this game a lot, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. Um, but I'm going with the Lions 31 bucks, 28. And I'll let you yeah, hit, hit the next game. Yeah. I, if Dan Campbell has a brain, he would get the ball into Jameer Gibbs's hands if he's playing. And if he was really, really smart, like Harvard smart, he would get the ball to Brock Wright. Uh, that's my dog, bro. Get on the pod, brother. I need you on. Um, yeah. So, twelve o'clock game once again. This is the shit bowl of the week. Uh, Vikings, Vikings versus Bears. Um, Minnesota is the favorite at minus two and a half. Two shit teams battling for mid. You know, we got the Jetta. You got Jetta on IR. You know, but the Bears are hot offensively. So they've already started to kind of rumor trades with Kirk Cousins. I'm not sure if that actually is going to happen, but they just worked out Colt McCoy. So maybe you can read into that, maybe not. But the the respective thing here is if Kirk goes, I think Justin Jefferson goes as well. Um, I'm not sure. That that seemed to be the argument for Justin Jefferson. Um, But and on the Bears side of things, you know, <laughs> DJ Moore with just an explosive game last week. Uh, they got rid of Claypool, who was basically the devil on the shoulder for the Bears. It could be the coaching staff as well. 
but Justin Fields is starting to come into his own as a passer. And a sleeper for this team, which we'll get into later in the startup sit-ems, is Cole Komet. He's been a great red zone target for Justin Fields as they've gotten this offense, you know, in a rhythm. So, you know, I think with all that being said is that the Bears win in a high-scoring game here, 34-30. to And I think Fields has over 100 yards on the ground. And I think this would be the end of the Vikings. I think if, if the Vikings lose this game, um, the Bears gain some momentum, uh, divisional game, anything can happen. These these defenses are just not good. So, But I, I think the Bears' offense is cooking and humming a lot better than the Vikings without Jetta. You know, they're going to have to be led by Osborne and Addison. I just don't think they're ready. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for my fantasy sake, I hope the score is what you say it is because uh, I have Kirk Cousins in one of my leagues. Um, but just to touch on the Bears a little bit, uh, I mentioned, uh, I think, a few pods ago that, you know, we talked about how Justin Fields is just not it, not it. And I really, really thought it was more on the coaching staff because you look at, you know, his tape coming out of Ohio State and like, Obviously, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't been great coming coming out of Ohio State and going into the NFL. Um, but like some of the the balls he threw at Ohio State, like he he threw it, like he slung it. Yeah. And I'm just like, what's like obviously the team wasn't performing as well as it was or as it needed to be with the offense they were running. What do you have to lose by having him try to throw the ball deep? And that's just what I, I just don't understand about about that. It's like you went and got a number one. You didn't get a number one to run screens. You went to get a number one to feed him the ball in space and throw it right. deep and all that. And so it seems as if like kind of how we were talking about Kyle Pitts, right? It's like, man, we've got this weapon that we could use that makes our team better. How about we throw it to him a lot? A and lot. it's, I mean, the last two games have been like, the the DJ Moore and Justin Fields show. Um, and he really hasn't even had to use his legs that much. So I think it is going to be nuts, like to your point, is when he has to run and have that, you know, big time, you know, rushing attack game. And so I think that, that could be what helps him in his career more is showing that he can throw the ball downfield. And then, you know, when it's not there and he's able to use his legs, it's like, Oh shit! We gotta watch out for this now. So uh, that's just kind of my take on on Justin Fields right there. Yeah, yeah, and good points. Um, I'm excited to see what this Bears offense could do because I was very close to trading Justin Fields. Now I want to hold him <laughs> dear and and near forever. Uh, yeah. Well, we're here. We're finally here. Tracking <laughs> tracking the boys segment. Um, we've got the 49ers. Versus the Cowboys, um, forty-two to <laughs> ten. Um, 49ers win this game. Uh, I, I don't have a video for Sad Boy Hours, but you know what I do have is the score. So you know, there you go. There you should you should play that Shane Gillis meme. <laughs> you should just play <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was. You know what it actually was to the to quote Shane Shane Gillis here. Is is when Jackie Robinson entered, you know, the MLB, his little joke there. And the way we were talking about this game the week before, the Cowboys said they could just do this and do this and do that, and blah blah blah. And we were talking a specific way. 
and then the end of the, the game actually happened, and it was, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We stopped being cool after the Cowboys stopped being cool after that game. You know, we, we lost our mojo. Um, but yeah, you know, you obviously have some grand takes that you've been holding in all week long. Um, <laughs> and so we want to start with the offense here. And I just want you to no pause, unload all over this um, with what you got on the West Coast <laughs> offense, what you got. <laughs> What you got on Mike McCarthy, just hammer. Yeah, so like you said, I've just tried not to respond to anything and give out too much information because I wanted to save it for the pod. But um, the offense looked absolutely atrocious, okay? Um, and just watching so much film and everything, there wasn't good play from top to bottom. Dak didn't play well. I didn't think O-line did great. Pollard looked awful. Receivers didn't look great. Tight ends didn't necessarily look great. And the whole staff from top to bottom just did not look great. And so just to get into what I'm about to quote unquote unload on y'all is about the play calling and the scheme in the system. Okay. We run the West Coast offense invented by Bill Walsh back in the day. Okay really based off of opening up the running back, the running game by short intermediate passes. Okay. Now I want you to sit there and listen, like Hunter says, to the language I just said, short and intermediate. Okay. So that means within five yards, within 12 yards or 15 for that matter. Right. And so, yes, back in the day, the West coast offense was very short, quick, you know, get the ball out of your hand, stuff like that, okay? And this is going back to, like, when we would talk about Kellen Moore, about not adapting to what the defense is giving you, right? You know, if something is not working, no, don't throw the whole playbook away, but you've got to adapt, right? And so we're sitting there and watching all this film, and the whole game we watched the 49ers absolutely disrespect our receivers and our tight ends they played man across the board everybody was no further than two to three yards off the line of scrimmage in the middle outside of one safety who was a few yards behind uh the linebackers if that doesn't scream disrespect and i don't think your guys can beat our guys i don't know what does okay and so we talk about in the offseason about how we bring in these weapons. Michael Gallup's going to be better. C.D. Lamb's a dog. Stuff like that. Pollard's also a dog. And then we go into this game, and obviously your first 12 to 15 plays are scripted. But my God, you've got to adapt. We went out on the first two drives and looked like we didn't know what we were doing. And to get into another point later, all the coaches and players outside of Micah Parsons came out and said, like, wow, that was just surprising. We didn't expect that at all. I'm like, well, what the hell did you expect? Right. Did you expect yeah. them to line up and and cover three zone and just let you rip it on them? No. And so going back to my off my West Coast offense is that the game has evolved from then. 
and you're going to be like, well, you know, Mike McCarthy run, blah, 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 blah. Andy Reid runs a version of the West Coast offense. And I don't know if anybody watches that, but they don't sit there and just run five-yard checkdowns with slants on the outside in in a running back swing route all day. They adapt and call different plays and scheme and space everything. They quite literally adapted to Mahomes' gunslinging ability to avoid hitting checkdowns, and then they transitioned it once they lost Tyreek Hill to, no, we're going to hit the checkdowns, and we're going to throw it intermediate and short, and then we're going to burn them deep because we got a gun. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And if you – I don't know if you – and I know you did, but just talking about the different offensive schemes – is that 40 Diners, yes, they run a lot of their rushing attack is more of a zone rushing attack. But if you look at their passing game, it is very similar to a West Coast because where did they destroy our defense yesterday? Intermediate. From about 10 to 15 yards. They dumped it right over the head of all of our linebackers and right in front of our safeties. They ran and timing just, slant routes over the middle, 10 yards over the middle. They ran, I mean, just – that you name it, just on time, in rhythm, footwork set, ready to go. And what did we talk about all offseason with the Cowboys, with Dak? Footwork. Guess what Brock, yeah. Brock Purdy did perfectly? Footwork. Yeah. And just to kind of like, I guess, conclude or uh, or go into a little bit extra of another point about this West Coast, but going up against that defense and talking about adapting is where are the 49ers good on defense? in the middle of the freaking field. Fred Warner, Drew uh, Dre Greenlaw, and then their front, right? I don't know if it's a pride thing or what, but why would we, like when you when you go to stop an offense or you go to, like when we played the Jets and with Sauce Gardner, you don't want to throw it to Sauce Gardner because he's, he's good. That's where they're good. Why would we continue to run everything at that point? at that position, at that point of the field, right in front of them. You could talk about the mesh routes. You could talk about all that. We were running three-yard mesh routes with Ferguson and Schoonmaker and Michael Gallup, where in front of those guys where they could step up and make a play. Or we were running swing routes against one of the most athletic linebackers in the league to where he could just hunt that down. And it's really not that difficult to hunt that down when you're playing next to the line of scrimmage and in the box, you just got to read that and get your angle. And so to go back to not adapting is like, it seemed like the one drive they adapted to, they threw something to the sideline and we'll get into the passing chart <laughs> to the sideline where our guy beat their guy on a deep route away from the middle of the field. And to me, it was just like, when I saw that, I was like, game's about to change. We're about to start attacking the sidelines. We're about to start throwing it down the field, stuff like that. And what did they do? They reverted right back to like, hey, we're going to keep it safe, going to keep it conservative. We're going to do this and that. And it did not work. And it did not work. And so that's just kind of my my take on the offense is like, like, and and I talked to you before the the pod a little bit is about there was a tweet that came out that summed it up perfectly. You've either got to trust your quarterback in your scheme and or you've got to trust your quarterback with the scheme. Yeah. And you can't have a little bit of the other. You've got to trust Dak in the scheme 
and him to make certain calls and do stuff throughout the offense, or you've you've got to trust that your scheme is going to work and Dak's going to be able to throw it where he needs to and people are going to be open. You can't sit here and just kind of do it up to chance, it seemed like, or be like, or or not play to your advantage, right? And so that's where that's just where it really frustrated me is that you you've got the weapons, you've got the quarterback, you got your whole healthy O line, you got the running back, and then we schemed it up like we were like, hey, try not to throw an interception. And it's like, well, that's not gonna work because they're gonna they're gonna destroy you. And they did. Um I know that was a little long. I just really wanted to just shit on the offense for a second because that was just atrocious. Um yeah. But I'll pass it to you on what you got to say about the offense uh, and, and just see see where you go with it. Yeah. So my focus before the game even started was that if the Dallas Cowboys were going to win the game, they needed to expose their secondary. And what that consisted of or should have consisted of was timing routes over the middle of the field, uh, not over the middle of the field, I'm sorry, towards the boundary. It needed His passing chart needed to be like the Red Sea. It needed to be nothing over the middle of the field. And I said that if Jake Ferguson was going to be, could be a factor in this game, that it would open up opportunities deep in the middle of the field. But I'm telling you right now that the Fred Warner and Greenlaw are the number one and number two linebackers in the NFL. They are the most dominant linebacker force in the NFL. And all we ran last night was slant routes, double slant routes, poor slant uh, uh, route timing. They were breaking at the same time. Our spacing wasn't good. We had our, our third down play concepts were absolutely atrocious. I can't remember. I mean, it. you remember the Jacksonville game when Dak threw the interception to Noah Brown right between his numbers for a pick six? We ran yeah. that same play, same down and distance, third and four. You want to talk about predictability? Mike McCarthy might be the most predictable offensive coordinator we've ever seen. I mean, last year the complaint wasn't divisional that – Look at the film. This isn't Dak's fault. Whatever. You know, like, blah, blah, blah. They're stopping at the sticks. The 49ers know this. After the game, what, are the, what does the defense says? They're predictable. They stop at the sticks. The Buccaneers, two years ago, they're predictable. They stop at the sticks. I'm sorry, last year, week one. Mike Evans and all the defensive guys, or and the other defensive guys, they're predictable. They run, you know, curls at the sticks. Nothing's changing. There is nothing changing with this offense, and I'm sick and tired of it. And like you said, either trust the quarterback with the scheme or trust the scheme, you know, with your, whatever the saying was on the offensive side of the spectrum there. Um, last I checked, Dak, against tough defenses like the, the Jets this year, I guess is the only one you can call tough, played extremely well by adapting to what the, off, the defense was giving him. And what did we go out there and do? We we go out there and I'm seeing a third and four or whatever, and I'm seeing three guys right around Fred Warner. The mess route, they said throw it to Jake Ferguson, he's covered. And you got C.D. Lamb, we're making a couple moves, he's covered. Oh, who's right behind C.D. Lamb and Fred Warner? Uh, Michael Gallup. <laughs> what kind of spacing are we doing? Another third down later, it's like third and seven. Dak, please bail us out. We got a slant on the right side or doubles to the right, two slants going in, both at the same distance. They're both at the same distance, so you're not allowing that middle middle outside linebacker right there to make a decision. He could just sit there and read his eyes. And so Dak's trying to throw on time, and it ends up being his third pick of the night. I'm just like, 
it was just atrocious. And I'm not trying to blame it all on Mark Marthy because by no means was Dak any better, you know, no. and did I say he was going to be? No, there is not one quarterback in this freaking league that can tear up that defense. Maybe Josh Allen, maybe. But Mahomes, he gets into that offense. I don't think he's getting this. I, I think he throws yeah. these two picks. I think he's throwing low 200s, two picks. I just – I did not expect Dak to torch this defense. I did not expect Dallas to put a ton of points on the board unless it just wide it became some slugfest, which I wild card guessed that last pod. I expected field goals. I expected maybe one or two touchdowns. I expected Dak to have a, a – I said at least one interception was probably going to be thrown. And to go out there and see that atrocious performance with the scheme, with the atrocious performance with spacing, the wide receiver's effort, uh, Pollard missing gaps, missing holes, our, all this talk about getting our, our power five, starting five offensive line, which we haven't seen since 2021, and that's the result we're going to get. Yeah. A bunch of pretenders. That's the end-all, yeah. be-all. And that's kind of my main spiel. Got the offense, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll yeah. let you. I'll let you go on about the defense since I started the offense. <laughs> yeah, and um, let me get the kids. Um, oh, the kids in here. Um, and this is his general overview, and then I'll go into defense as well. Blame is to go everywhere, and my point is starting to come to life. If the defense doesn't dominate, we lose games. Our offense is currently in shambles, scoring points with being too passive with the ball. We play to lose, not to win. Exactly. Star of the game for the Cowboys, Jerry Jones. Got what he wanted with the most watched Sunday night football game. With the <laughs> so million views. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to transition into defense and all good points there from the kid. Um, we had two good drives that kept us in it. And we were blown through outside of that. Parsons was non-existent. He was. He looked like he was slouching. Um, every time I saw him, he looked like he was whining and complaining. Um, the 49ers threw every, the, their their entire arsenal at him. Their entire arsenal, and they did what the Eagles did effectively too: is they isolate their best player and they make him wrong every single time. Zone runs, outside zone runs, outside the box runs for the 49ers were working all day long. Um, however. Or towards the end of the game, they were working, but we quote unquote shut down McCaffrey. But there was only about one negative play uh, with McCaffrey that happened early in the game, and after that, it was cake. We got lucky on a fumble at the goal line with McCaffrey. That's a very, very rare thing. And to say that the defense caused that, I'm not sure. I'm too confident in giving credit there. I mean, they were the 49ers marched, marched down the field in us. Um, the comments about the interior defensive line. Uh, this is the part of the scheme that confused me for the defense. I saw Jonathan Hankins in there for like 90% of the snaps when we drafted a guy who we just commented on last week saying that Mozzie Smith was going to be a game-changing interior defensive lineman that will have an impact on this game. I didn't see him at all. I don't think I ever saw the number 58 go onto the field unless he was a healthy scratch and I'm just an idiot. But 
we got Parsons saying he has no idea what's going on in the interior defensive line. That could have just been an emotional response. But my biggest complaint here, and I said last week that if you want to beat the 49ers, you need to come out with that Dan Quinn special where you spy Christian McCaffrey and you eliminate, you know, McCaffrey being a part of the equation and force the receivers to beat you, which is the way to beat the 49ers, in my opinion. Um, one pressure from Parsons. He was starting to get linebacker reps midway through the game, and we lined up against Trent Williams all game. Explain that. Explain that to me. Why put him? Just oh my gosh, that's my take on the defense. Um, yeah, I'll let you. I don't want to steal all the points, but I'll let you. No, you you. No, you did. You you summed it up pretty good. Um, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying about like, like you want to expose and put and put your best players in the in the best positions, right? And it's just like, why would you put, you know, your best player over their best player? Not saying that he can't beat him, but like he's a Hall of Famer. Trent Williams is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So yeah. why would you not like, hey, we're going to try not to just eliminate like uh, how many times Trent Williams get beat? Maybe once a game. So why would we why would we try to test that? And so I agree on that. Um, the defense did not look great. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, they had a couple of stops that, that kept us in the game. But, you know, you talk about, you know, being, you know, pissed off at being a most important game of the year. You know, we're ready for this, blah, blah, blah. And then that first drive to come out and just get absolutely shredded. I'm like, that, they're, they're not about it. Because no. that, that first drive looked, I mean, like you were doing, you know, your, your Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning walkthrough. Like it, it was a, uh, I mean, walking the park. Yeah. And you know that that was that was tough to see first drive out. And I thought the second, I honestly thought the secondary uh, was the worst part of our defense. I thought the safeties looked atrocious. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think Deron Bland. Uh, I think Deron Bland should travel with whoever the number one is. I know Stefan Gilmore is still decent, but he is not a number one. And I don't think you can, I don't think he needs to be the number one. I think Deron Bland needs to travel. He's our best corner on the field right now. Um, and he still got exposed a lot, but I thought the, I thought the safeties were not great. Um, they're, you know, their biggest job, we've got some heavy hitters back there and they wait, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen till later on in the game and a flag was called on it. But I mean, if you enforce that from, you know, drive one, they're going to think about throwing it over the middle again. And, you know, I just thought the, the defense just got shredded. Uh, and like you said, the defensive line created minimal pressure. The linebackers were not very good at, at filling in. The safeties, had, there was nothing. There was, there was all kinds of space over the middle of the field. Um, and, you know, you got to give and, and saying all of this, you do have to give props to the 49ers. They were the better team and they're yes. good. Yeah. I know we're talking bad about the Cowboys and they played about as bad as they could. But that doesn't take away from the 49ers just being extremely good. And I, I believe that they got out. The Cowboys got out played and out coached on both sides of the ball. But I mean, if we're going to say the defense has to dominate, I mean, this wasn't even close to a domination. Like this wasn't even in the same stratosphere as being good. 
And you could say like, oh, they're on the field a lot. Every time they were on the field outside of a couple times, they got blown, blown out. And, you know, just just to my my point, like. That they made Brock Purdy and I'm not going to try to take anything away from Brock Purdy because he I'm starting to believe he is good, like he is good to great because he doesn't mess up, it seems like. And they he I'm not going to say they made, but he looked. I mean, as comfortable as a quarterback could look against a top defense as I've ever seen. He was wired. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, I don't think he had to make a hard throw all game. I mean, it was. The only one he made that I thought was very impressive, but it looked like a piece of cake, was that third and 15 that to Debo over the middle. Yeah. I'm like, he's just flat footed, just kind of sitting there. And you're like, yeah. Like what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, and I, I, to me, I just, I just don't, I just didn't get it to be apparently so prepared for this and this being a good game, and that's that was the showing on defense. I mean, the one takeaway, like you said, was pretty lucky. I thought the secondary got absolutely gashed. Um, you know, didn't didn't see anybody really show up on the stat chart or pressure chart or whatever you want to say PFP percentages, but it just did not look great. And it it looked like that the 49ers were in another tier above us in the NFC, if not the league. Um, But the defense, they they just didn't look great. Plus we got another injury to a linebacker. We have no linebackers now. And uh, Michael Parsons had to end up playing linebacker uh, during the game and whatnot. So I, I, dude, I just don't have many good things to say about any part of uh, the team um, and, and the defense was just bad. I'm probably honestly more mad at the offense and the defense, yeah. but I kind of gave my spill on the offense and whatnot, but that's kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. The biggest thing I saw was that the safeties who we have talked about uh, being this, one of the stronger parts of the defense outside of the front four to seven, I thought the safeties were going to be a, a game changer in this game. And they just, they were, but not in the right way. Um, and so that that was my biggest takeaway is I thought the secondary, especially the safeties, were just atrocious, man. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, with a God-fearing man like uh, Brock Purdy, you know, like things yeah. things aren't really probably going to go your way um, um, for the opposing team. Uh, much respect to Brock Purdy, dude. He was – it was like watching a pitcher – match of masterpiece on the mound just yeah. locked in i mean i never saw a grin i never saw a blink um props to him i mean he was stone cold man um yeah, yeah. gosh man but yeah let's get into our deck prescott uh deck on track segment this is probably this week's uh, our favorite part of the <laughs> god bless america um, yeah, so here we are. We got 14 of 24, 153 yards, a touchdown, and three picks with a negative 6.3% CPOE. Uh, more like CP3PO. Um, <laughs> but we got some balls over the middle. Um, but yeah, look, it, I mean, to go back to your point to what you said earlier, this passing chart literally describes what you're talking about. I mean, we've got one, two, three, four, five passes to the boundary, including the yeah. touch, not including the touchdown. 
the rest are exactly where Fred Warner would be standing. <laughs> yeah. What are we and, doing? And if you look, like, I mean, obviously, you know, but, like, you look at the hash marks and, like, depending on where the ball is, this is literally where their best player, I guess you could say second best player, if you consider uh, Bosa the the first best player on defense. Uh, this is where their second best player, all pro, possibly two Pro Bowl linebackers over there are playing, is right there. And that's where the whole defense stood, too. That that that's what I'm saying is like draw up whatever you want. But if you're not moving these guys or they're not scared to move, there's no way that these passes, no way that these passes would work. And I mean, you could just see it. I mean, even line of scrimmage. I mean, what do we have? One, two, three, four, four, six completions. And I'm giving it a little bit if we if we want to go past five yards. Six completions past five yards. So this is either, you know, you can look at it a couple ways. The spacing and play calling is terrible. Okay. The receivers are not getting open or Dak's making terrible decisions. And no in between. Yes. Yes. He made some terrible decisions, but I can't imagine that this is like, there's no way you could give this to any or give that play calling to any type of offensive coordinator offensive system be like, yeah, this is going to do well against the San Francisco 49ers. Like that's my biggest complaint is this is the play calling that we went into this game with. And if that's the case, then I'm, you know, I'm not very high on McCarthy. If that's the case, he needs to be given up the rights of the play calling. That might sound drastic, drastic and, and whatnot. But like, there's no way you can roll into a game and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this, this is what we're gonna roll with. It's like that, that's terrible to me. Yeah, and what didn't make any sense to me is, you see the touchdown pass there. You know what is that over over 20 yards downfield to Cavante Turpin on a yeah. on a corner route, perfect timing, great footwork on the throw by Dak. And you might think, me being a 23 year old man with no coaching experience might think the show schmo um did Cavante Turpin just beat one of their defenders okay oh, oh there's CeeDee Lamb uh, yeah there's Brandon Cooks uh there's Pollard on a wheel you know it's like if if Cavante Turpin can beat this team deep then there are plenty of other guys that can get open I mean come on absolutely it's a pass pro Give us a three to four route concept and let's go to work. Let's sling it. I'd rather Dak be throwing four or five interceptions, 20 yards downfield accurately trying to fight for the football, trying to make a play coach than, you know, seeing this bullshit. I mean, I think this makes Dak a worse player. I think absolutely this makes, and even if it were efficient, I think it's worse. I've seen Dak play so much better when he's hitting 10, 15 yards towards the boundaries and then he's attacking the middle of the field, he's only taking checkdowns if he needs to, not taking checkdowns as part of the first freaking read. <laughs> but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, oh gosh, and but to give my this, yo, this, this one, this one pass to the left that was completed, right? You see this one behind the line of scrimmage? Yeah. Yeah. So, and this this is what I'm talking about. I watched this play on film, and everybody's gonna be like, yeah, that was a check down, blah, blah, blah. 
that was a design swing route to where there was no spacing on that side of the ball with your linebackers playing next to the line of scrimmage. That was a designed swing route to Tony Pollard. And I'm like, dude, you you can't like you can't do that. man. Like that's just bad play calling, whether it be from McCarthy, Schottenheimer or Dak. That's that's black. That, that's just bad play calling, game planning, however you want to put it. And that's just not how you win against good teams. You're you're playing into their strength. And that's just that's terrible. Yeah. And the one thing, I'll, last thing I'll say, then I'll give the, the letter grade, and I meant to say this earlier before the DAC on track segment, is the media got what they wanted again. <laughs> yeah. Again. I mean, it almost seems planned. It almost seemed like an idiot. I mean, I'm we're running this podcast called Shatter the Script, and we're going in here thinking we had a chance to beat the 49ers, uh, you know, who were – I'll get into it in the record of the week, but – we don't have their number ever, and we no. lose the biggest stages to the 49ers every single time. To think that we lose to the Cardinals, mm-hmm. one of the worst teams in the NFL. They were thought to be tanking at the time. Um, and to see that and then go, oh, we may have a chance to beat the 49ers. This team is really good. No, 42 to 10 in prime time. Yeah. And then you get the you get the there the Cowboys lost in prime time to the teams like the uh uh, the 49ers creates massive big money ratings for every mainstream media outlet. And the one thing I've been ignoring that involves politics and all that kind of stuff that I've ignored with sports is follow the money. And I'm not blaming this loss on Vegas or the script or whatever, but it probably had a little bit of the part to play if it's all rigged. But uh, that's a little fun. But my letter grade for Dak is uh, it's a four letter grade, S H I T. And my alternative grade is a D minus. Nice, nice. Do you got anything to back to to say on that? Um, I mean, I kind of said most of everything already. I I think that I give him a D minus because sometimes I want to see him be Superman again, and sometimes I want to see him, you know, make some plays. And I just even a run, even like a man. Dax the only one showing up today, like it was in twenty nineteen, and I just. It was just a poor effort all the way around. I, I don't blame it primarily on Dak. I, I don't think Dak's a bad quarterback. I, I still think he's a good to great quarterback who's a great game manager. I just think this game speaks volumes to how incredible this 49ers team is. So you can be a little gracious with Dak's grade, but no, nah, uh, not this week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give him an F. Okay. And I'm going to give him an F. Because one, being a stack, uh, a Dak stand, a Dak disciple, if you may, the reason I'm giving him an F is because this was the first time I've ever seen since he's been quarterback that he became a one read and a one read throw a pick and then an absolute don't give a shit type play. And this isn't questioning his character. Obviously, he's a great human great leader and whatnot, but when it, when we got down and it got towards the, the third quarter and everything like that, this pick to the right and to the left for that matter, oh, hell, all three picks, I'll go into depth. The one that he threw, he threw, uh, he threw deep to a pick, looked like an absolute, like, whatever, I'm going to throw it deep. Like, please God, catch it. 
yeah, please, God, get me out of this game. And then the one to the right was an absolute one, like, high school football, RPO, I'm throwing it to the right no matter what. And then the one to the left was the same thing. Arguably, could Michael Gallup have run a better route? Absolutely. You're six one and two and two hundred pounds. You should be. You should not let a. You should not let a, a corner step in front of you. But this was the first time that I can remember since Dak playing where it looked like there was just no fight, like that he had absolutely been beat, and. Yeah. That, you know, and argue what you argue with a wall about what you want to say about Dak. But there are not many times in his career that we've just been absolutely out of the game and dog walked like this. And you can say like, oh, garbage time, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. There's never been a time where I can remember that Dak has just been like, we're not even close in this game. We're not we're not even close. I'm pissed off. My receivers are pissed off. I'm going to just throw it. And that was the biggest disappointment to me is to see after him being like, oh, yeah, I'm pissed off in a press conference and whatnot. And then coming out and it looking like this. And that's how the game went. It looked like there was no fight. Honestly, I didn't think there was any fight right before halftime when, you know, we had a chance to put points up on the board. You know, we run the ball on third down and then don't go for it. And it's like, because I think, what was it, 21-7 going in the half? And we don't go for it. Even if we get a field goal, right? Even if we get a field goal, it's 21-10. We start the, we start the half off with it uh, and score a field goal. It's 21-13, and it's still a game. And so I was just super disappointed with that. Um, and that's why I'm giving him an F. I thought this was – I'll write it down. This is the worst game of his career I've ever seen him play. Yeah. And, yeah. and I thought I thought it was just so bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you said it perfectly. Um, well, let's get this shit off the screen. Um, predictions for upcoming game. Monday Night Football, Chargers uh, – oh, Cowboys at Chargers at SoFi – the Dallas is favored at negative two and a half. Um, what are our keys to success in this game? And I'll start us off with, with our with our offense um, and defense. Just some quick little key points to, to success, and then I'll well I'll let you do it, and we'll both predict the winner. Um, we got to eliminate predictability on offense, obviously, like we just mentioned. Um, Those intermediate and deep pass concepts have got to come into play at some point. You have one of the most efficient deep ball throwers in the league statistically, and Dak Prescott, use him that way. Um, And one of the things – next I would say, you know, eliminate running to the sticks on third down. I'm so tired of this offense playing at the sticks rather than – you know, playing to get more than the sticks and actually surpass the third down. Um, con- uh, we need some concepts for man coverage. I mean, it's a copycat league like uh, Schottenheimer was mentioning. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, that they, they played a lot of man-to-man coverage against us and it worked. Um, so we're going to need to find a ways to, to complement or contradict the man-to-man coverage schemes going forward on offense. And then defensively, our, inter- our interior defensive line needs to improve. Where's Mozzie? And we need him to – if he's going to be the guy, like they say he's going to be the guy, 
that he needs to show up. Uh, I'm going to keep saying that until to, until they tell me that he's not the guy and that he needs another year. And then I'm going to look to Osa, Gallimore, and Hankins. Um, pass rush ineffectiveness, it really has not been present the last – you know, I don't know. I just I haven't seen very much from Parsons besides pressures. I need we need some sacks in there. We need other guys outside of Parsons to step up because with LVE injury, we're very slim at linebacker, which I mentioned before uh, the season started in the preseason with Overshone's injury and Jabril Cox going um, to the practice squad and being signed off to waivers somewhere else is that this linebacker group could not get the injury bug. Um, Parsons is probably going to get some more reps at linebacker, which is not good for a pass rush. So people like Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, Dante Fowler, Devont and Demarcus Law, Lawrence need to step up. Um, and then the secondary monstrosity, um, Bland's injury. I'm not sure what it is. He headed to the locker room late last game. The safety performance curse needs to kind of step it up. He's been talking a lot of that talk on Twitter. Need you back in your pure form. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my breakdown key six success there. And then I'll let you do yours and we'll do the predicting. Cool. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my points are the same as yours. Uh, mine, I guess some are not as much, you know, uh, targeted to like, I guess how you play uh, like analytically, but more of like mindset type stuff. Um, my first one is play to win, not to mess up. I feel like in the offense, we've gotten way too carried away with not throw interceptions rather than, you know, play. Like I get the West Coast offense is very conservative, but that doesn't mean play not to mess up. Play to move the fall, ball down efficiently and keep the sticks moving. Keep yourself in uh manageable and high percentage third downs and you know sometimes it's okay to get another first down on first down um we don't have to go into third and four all the time or third and two all the time right and so i think that's one thing that was really that really showed up in this 49ers game it was like hey let's not mess up and give them the ball it's like well we're not really moving it so you know you got to push the issue a little bit um Second, and this on both sides of the ball, stay aggressive. It seems like when we dictate what we want to do uh, on offense or defense, it seems like they're very good. When defense kind of plays loose and aggressive and headhunter, they play really well. Yeah. Um, when the offense is really pushing the ball and pushing the envelope, uh, it seems like they're very good as well. Now, what I mean by that is let's let's – try to stop running three yard mesh routes and let's, you know, run seven yard. Let's run something a little further than three or four yards. Like, yes, get your playmakers, the ball in space, but like we talked about, create the space, right? You know, if there, if, if Fred Warner can make a play on three different receivers, that's not good spacing. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've kind of talked about this throughout a little bit, adapt to the times. The West coast offense has changed create space, create advantages for your playmakers, make your quarterback's life easier, um, adjust in game, right? We see something's not working and the defense isn't changing what they're doing because it's working. Change, change something, do something different. Don't throw away the whole game plan, but hey, make it a little adjustment, do something different. Um, obviously, Kind of the big talking point from a lot of people. We saw how CD Lamb was kind of dis distraught and 
uh, away from the team and his comments after the game and how they've talked about it. But, I mean, rightfully so. Get your playmakers a damn ball. Yeah. Like, CeeDee Lamb's a playmaker. Brandon Cooks is a playmaker. Get him the ball. CeeDee tar- Lamb gets more than eight targets. We win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, get him the ball. Um, it, it goes back to the point of me saying, like, hey, the Falcons are good when they throw Kyle Pitts the ball. The Falcons are good when they give B. John Robinson the ball. Like, the, the Bears are good when D.J. Moore gets the ball thrown to him. Right. Don't don't get too complicated. Um, to the defensive side, you got to get pressure. Okay? It's obvious that our secondary might be a little bit of an issue. I didn't think Diggs going out was going to be that crazy of a deal, but apparently it is. So we're going to have to win up front. We're going to have to take more of a Eagles mentality and cause a bunch of havoc up front, whether it be with our three to four down linemen or bring in blitzes or whatever. Um, we're going to have to create pressure to take some of that off the defense. Um, and then uh, it seemed like, in a, and I know this is, it might be a little contradictory, but if we're in games like the 49ers where they're moving the ball and it's kind of goes to making adjustments, maybe switch it to more of a bend, don't break mentality, right? Right. Don't. Don't let them gas you for these big chunk plays. Don't let them, you know, get it all the way to the, you know, within the five to where they can obviously score it in. Do something different and, and just, you know, may, be a little – it sounds so simple, but just be a little better. Like that was right. – everything they did on defense and offense for that matter was just not good outside of one or two plays. And so I just thought – mine was more of like a mindset, mentality – playmaking kind of kind of route for our keys to success rather than more of the you know schematics kind of like you kind of like you were going about but that's kind of my biggest points I thought you know mentally and physically had nothing to do with a little it had a lot to do with play call but I think more we just got we just got out manned like we we just got little boyed like y'all are <laughs> y'all are not as good yeah sunned buddied like yeah. we we just friend zone yeah, we just got outdid in every aspect. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so my final prediction for this upcoming Monday Night Football game at the Chargers at SoFi against Kellen Moore is I've got it to be. Uh, I just can't say that this is going to be a high-scoring game. I feel like it's going to be just like a I know your scheme, you're no, you know mine sort of deal. Whose defense is better? And like you said, you know the Cowboys have done a really good job responding um after a brutal loss and we're gonna see what they're made of so i'm gonna go against my uh common sense here and go with my gut and and say that the cowboys win this game 21 to 17 um a little scrappy it's gonna be close chargers are not a bad team i can see it going either way but I think the Cowboys can scrap out an, an, uh, an ugly win this this week. Um, in a long and extra day, it might help them um, kind of recuperate and get their minds right for this upcoming game. And maybe they're pissed off. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, uh, I, I like that prediction. I would rather have your prediction than mine. Um, I still <laughs> have the Cowboys to win. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a 28-21 Dallas win. I think they're going to – I think I think they're going to come out with a little more of a statement. Um, I do think the Chargers they're going to score, um, and I think that's kind of where my bend don't break mentality is going to come in. Is I think 
the big the big chunk plays are what we're going to have to eliminate with you know Keenan Allen, Quentin uh, is it Quentin Johnson, um, yeah. you know Austin Eckler and stuff like that. I think the big the big thing in this game is going to be pressure with four people or just our front line. Right. I think that pressure is going to have to be the biggest thing that we pay attention to because I, I just don't trust our secondary right now. And I, I think it's all going to depend on that. Uh, I think the Dallas offense, like, like you can't go into this game and not try something different. Like you, you've got to, you've got to expand the offense a little bit. And I think they come out uh, and, and do a lot better job. Um, what I'm ho- not hoping for is that Dallas tries to get too cute with it. And they're like, Oh, we're going to open the playbook. And then we start running some, you know, bullshit three double reverse halfback pass type stuff or, Right. And, you know, reverses with Michael Gallup. It's like, dude, like we don't need that. We need to throw the ball. We need, you know, a shovel pass to Jake Ferguson. Well, we don't need that. We just need you to. Yeah, a little like, jet sweep to Peyton Hinder shit. Yeah. 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 We don't need Schoonmaker being the tight end one on the first play of the game. Right, um, yeah. So that that was just kind of – that's kind of my prediction right there. 28-21 Dallas. Yep. And then last, our headline, the Mamas don't let you Cowboys. Um, Mine is Mamas Don't Cowboys play a, a good football team. Um, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, because we play eight more, we play eight more good football teams. So, um, if you got the same one, man, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that's mine going into this next game. Yeah. Mine was Don't Let Your Mamas Play the San Francisco 49ers again. Um, <laughs> And you can take it however you want it, but if we're gonna make it to the playoffs and win, we're gonna have to. But um, I'd rather not. Uh, but that's fine. Don't, almost don't let your Cowboys play the San Francisco 49ers again. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the breakdown uh, and let's break down our two-minute drill presented by the medical guy. Yeah. The moment oh. all you fantasy owners and football connoisseurs have been waiting for your medical analysis. So. Hand over your two-minute drill, brother. brother. All right. Here we go. Drum roll. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> to get to, to get the two-minute drill going after all that negative talk and whatnot, we're gonna we're gonna end up talking a little bit more about negativity with injuries. I actually had a lot end up on the, uh, the injury report this this week. Um, James Connor. He went to the IR, so it's going to be at least another four weeks till he comes out, uh, comes back and uh, plays again. Uh, one of the uglier and nastier injuries was Matt Milano. I know you mentioned it earlier. He ended up having a leg fracture plus another knee injury. On top of that, he's out. Uh, kind of one to pay attention to. Uh, maybe with a little bit of fantasy owners right here is Khalil Herbert is uh, has a high ankle and he's questionable. Um, so I know he's kind of the number one running back over there whatever they do over there. Well, he's running back number two compared to Justin Fields, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, Deshaun, uh, horrible person, Watson, he's got a rotator cuff injury um, to his right arm, interesting enough. (laughs) uh, He's questionable. So any of you fantasy fantasy owners, um, you know, with obviously Deshaun Watson or Amari Cooper or anything like that, kind of keep a lookout. Uh, Going into our Cowboys a little bit. Uh, tough one, real tough one to see with Leighton Vander Esch uh, yeah. get hit with another neck injury. He's one been injury prone his whole career, but 
Um, his neck injury has been something he's dealt with in college, kind of obviously destroyed his play. I think it was a second year out. He had that first year where he was very good and then kind of got dinged up and you could tell like he just wasn't the same guy. That's just really tough to see. He's going on the IR again. You just hope the best for him and hopefully it doesn't turn out. I mean, one, you want to pay attention to more, you know, lifestyle type stuff. You know, you want him to be able to, you know, be able to turn and look left and right at 30 years old and whatnot. Right. Next one I kind of went under the radar is CJ Godwin, our uh, quote unquote God on special teams. Torn peck, he's out, so that's tough. Uh, Turpin went down with a leg injury; he's questionable. Um, to the to the Lions, we got Amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, he's questionable as well with an abdominal injury. Those are always kind of weird, just because you you really can't do anything. You cough, it hurts. You put your socks on, it hurts. You go take a dump, it hurts. Like everything oh, just yeah. hurts. So that one's that one's interesting right there. Uh, Aaron Jones is still ruled out. So uh, if you want to go get AJ Dillon, he actually produced this week out of nowhere. So that's great. <laughs> Tank Dell, I know a lot of fantasy owners have kind of picked him up here late. Uh, he's been ruled out with a concussion. Um, you know, those are just tricky. Kind of what I say, concussions heal when they heal. Not all of them are the same. Uh, and everything can be different about each individual's concussion. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, big trade rumor, uh, problem, trouble child, uh, Anthony Richardson with, uh, AC, uh, AC sprain, a grade three. So, uh, AC stands for acromioclavicular. It's your joint right here where your, your clavicle meets your acromion and your shoulder. Um, he has a grade three. So they range from one to six, obviously six being the worst. Um, so his is pretty, his is pretty tough right now. And I, I think it was his right arm. So that's kind of the, that's yeah. kind of the tricky one is that it's obviously stuff's messed up in there, but you want that to heal, but then he has to be able to throw plus he's a runner. So it's like, uh, you gotta be careful with that. So he's out for the foreseeable future. Uh, I'm really surprised they didn't put him on IR as well, just to get him out for the next four weeks. Um, reports show that Austin Eckler is in. Um, so all you fancy owners, look out for that. Um, another big one, uh, A&M Aggie, uh, Davon A-Chain. Uh, I didn't really get a good video or look at like what he actually did to his knee, but apparently yeah. it was pretty bad. I would assume it's some type of sprain. Um, and he's ruled to be out a couple of weeks, a few weeks actually. So, uh, it's kind of a big hit to a lot of fantasy teams. Hope for the best for him, especially being a speed guy. Hopefully that doesn't take away from his speed because the dude is lightning fast and a crazy good player. Yeah. Um, another big one for fantasy owners is uh, Jetta, Justin Jefferson. Um, I know I've talked about it with uh, a couple times on the pod about those soft tissue injuries, especially with explosive players like him. Uh, he's got a hamstring strain. It's looking like it's going to be – uh, I think did they report today that he went on the IR? Is that yeah, as they well? Did. Yeah, he's so on that IR. just that just kind of shows you one that soft tissue injuries are nothing to play with. Two on uh, just shows you how bad that injury could be. That it could be you know a four to five week thing. Um, next, Daniel Jones, same thing, neck injury. He said it's the same thing he dealt with twenty twenty one that kept him out for a few weeks. Um, so neck injuries, back injuries, are nothing to play with. You start looking into more of 
lifestyle and stuff like that, like I mentioned earlier, and just hope he's all right and whatnot. Um, you know, I don't think he's a great quarterback. Still want to care about the health for these guys. Uh, right. It's just tough to see because these are a lot of kind of a, a lot of big names and everything. Seeing him get hurt just shows you kind of how violent the sport is and, you know, how, you know, one game like Davion A-Chain where you're just blowing it up everywhere and then get tackled wrong or fall wrong and all of a sudden you're out for four or five weeks or C.J. Godwin for that for that matter where, I mean, he's a special teams player and Torres Peck. Like, that is tough to do. Um, so that kind of rounds out my uh, injury list. I know there's a lot more, but those are kind of the big names and whatnot. Um, try to keep that one a little tame because, you know, injuries are a serious thing. But next, we're going to get to the to the best part of this injury list, which is not really an injury list, but it's the DB list, the down bad list. And I know what everybody's <laughs> thinking. Everybody's thinking I'm going to put the Cowboys on here. You're wrong. Not putting the Cowboys on here, even though they, they're definitely an honorable mention runner-up. Could arguably be on here. But I'm going to go with Mario Cristobal. And I don't know if you know who that is, but it's the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, the U. And I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the Miami Hurricanes and the Georgia Tech. I think they're the Yellow Jackets. Um, but they had the lead going in, or not going in, going into the end of the game, 33 seconds up. The other team had zero timeouts. It's not like they had two or three in the pocket. They had zero, none, nada. You had to kneel the ball, kneel the ball, let the let the clock run out, and you win. Okay. And might I add, Miami was number seventeen in the nation. Yeah. They weren't like, oh, you're flirting around five hundred. They they've made a come up, and he chose to run the ball. Proceeds the running back and. I read some stats about the running back having 99 yards and wanting to get to 100. Who gives a shit? Win the game. And he fumbles the ball, gives it back to Georgia Tech. (laughs) I mean, defense just decided, I guess they thought the game was over too. Right. But Georgia Tech proceeds to march down the the field on like two plays. Haynes King. Yeah. Yes, Haynes King, of all people. (laughs) Uh, And march down the field and score a touchdown and win the game. And you're thinking, like, how could this get worse? Mario Cristobal did the same damn thing in 2018. Oh, God. When he was the head coach at Oregon versus Stanford, he decided to not kneel the ball and run it or do whatever he did. They got a turnover and they lost the game. So it's like, come on, brother. Yeah, come on, man. Like, brother, what are we doing? And I was reading, I was reading up on it a little bit, and he was like, "Yeah, it's totally my fault." Blah blah blah. It's like, no shit, brother. Like, all you had to do. And he's like, "Well, we really don't line up in the victory formation." I was like, and he 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 went out to say like, we practice these situations in the in practice about running the ball and running the clock out. I'm like. Dog, you might want to practice the victory formation. I don't know anybody that doesn't practice the victory formation. Yeah, you might want to get in the victory formation. I think the key word in there in, in that phrase is victory. Oh, dude, you hit the nail on the head right there. Oh, victory. Because yeah. Yeah. Uh, guess what wouldn't be talked about on the track podcast this week? You. You wouldn't be talked about. You wouldn't be on the down bad list. Mario Cristobal, figure it out. 
Figure it out. Figure so it out. I don't know if there's that, a way he can get off the DB list. And just a shout out to Hunter. That wraps up my uh, medical analysis and injury report for the week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I'm going to cover a little bit for Ryan, uh, the analyst here. Um, so, of course, we got our our main attraction, and that's the Russell Wilson uh, passing chart for you guys. <laughs> So, yeah, I know they're not going to be bad every week, but hey, they're going to be on this pod every week. So best believe. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got three th- three throws over the middle of the field here. Um, kind of goes to Ryan's point. Um, the rest are at the <laughs> yeah. line of scrimmage or yeah. the boundary. Um, East and West Coast offense is what they call it over there in Denver. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at this one. I'm I'm looking at a touchdown, and it's oh. is that two or three yards behind the line of scrimmage? Yeah. Oh my god. Russ, Gus, trust, bus, Wilson. Yeah. Prime time. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It's well, crazy. I think at, I think at one point he was like eight for eleven for like sixty six yards or something, or like eight for fifteen for 66 yards at like halftime. And I was like, well, this sucks. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that adds to Ryan's point. So good. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. And so outside of that, I got a couple of, uh, like fantasy stats for you guys that were outstanding and you could probably guess who they are, but we predicted them, uh, last, last week's pod was and actually you said 17 catches 240 <laughs> yards for Jamar Chase and Hunter said you are wide receiver one well <laughs> 19 targets 15 receptions 192 yards three touchdowns for Jamar Chase um incredible uh, yeah. 50, 52 points in fantasy for uh PPR and then you move over to DJ Moore get your young players the ball young fella uh, 10 targets, eight receptions, 230 yards, 23 yards per touch, 28.75 yards per uh catch. Excuse me, I was gonna say carry and three touchdowns. Uh, once again for DJ Moore, 49 bomb. Um, best of luck to whoever I'm playing in one of my leagues. He had DJ Moore and I still scored 200 on him. Um, oh yeah, uh, Justin Fields, 15 or 29. 282 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks, 11 carries, 57 yards. A dominating performance, a 40 bomb um, offensively in the actual game from Justin Fields, 32 points PPR. Those are your statistical analysis of the week. Hey, just one thing I got to say. I'm open. I'm always open. (laughs) 7-Eleven, baby. 7-Eleven, I'm open. I'm always open. Oh, my gosh. Shout out to the meme guy. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to skip over the kids' picks and might come right back to it, actually. Um, we're going to go straight to the Rook's look. Start him, sit him. Um, also, <laughs> if you were paying attention last week to the Rook's looks, you would know that the Rook's looks sucked. Again, um, recap. Nico Collins. Miss. 6.90 PPR points, four targets, three receptions, 39 yards. But the good news is an 88% snap percentage, highest of 2023. 
Um, so a that's win is a win. A, a win, win is a win. A win is a win. Uh, so he's, the volume is there. And the other two are unfortunate due to injuries. Uh, keep in mind, I do them on Tuesday uh, when we're recording. So some injuries might not be disclosed until later in the week. I'll try and, and be better about, uh, I guess, I don't even know, finding the perfect player. Um, and AR-15 um, was – one second, let me look at this. Uh, <laughs> AR-15 goes out, like you said, with a grade three AC joint injury the first half. So I missed on that one. I mean, he only threw for like 98 yards, and then he was taken out. Um, and then I said, sit, Jameer Gibbs. Well, he's hurt as well. He didn't even play. So that one doesn't even count. I'm sorry, hey, fellas. You were right about that one. I was right about that one. Sit, Jameer Gibbs, the injured player. Um, sit, Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati quarterback, that he was ass um, as LaShawn McCoy said, miss 24.38 PPR points, 36 out of 46 passing, 317 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, Jamar Chase, several of them. And then you got the sleeper Always pick open. of the week. Always Always open. Open. Um, you got Megatron 2.0, Christian Watson, Green Bay wide receiver, a green bean, technically. <laughs> he got his projection, essentially. Uh, 11.60 PPR points, seven targets, three receptions, 91 yards. And he had a target in the end zone from Jordan Love. That's the recap. Let's talk this week. Start. It's a new week every week, right? Uh, yeah. Start. Jacoby Myers, wide receiver, Las Vegas uh, Raiders. <laughs> Jimmy Cheese guy. This is the guy. I, I, I would argue he gets more volume sometimes than Tay. But high volume, even with Tay, he's a solid flex option, wide receiver three. I would start him in your leagues, especially if it's a 12-man league. Start Josh Downs, wide receiver, Indianapolis Colts. Now, this is a rookie. This is a, this is a young guy here trying to make a name for himself. He had 12 targets with Minshew in week three, which was his highest targets rate of the season when he's already been getting some pretty good snap percentage volumes and target volume. So – I would say start Josh Downs. He's got a pretty decent matchup this week as well. Sit Drake London, wide receiver Atlanta. Look, I'm not convinced with this Atlanta offense. I'm still, they're very consistent on getting their playmakers the ball. You know, Ritter's still their quarterback. He's a great wide receiver. It's an awkward offense for PPR consistency. And another one, um, as uh, the medical guy mentioned earlier, sit Amari Cooper, wide receiver Cleveland. I think even with Deshaun Watson, who I think they might rush to play this week. I think it'll be an atrocious game for Amari Cooper. He tends to shut down against really, really, really good teams that defensively um, San Francisco's defense is just that dude. And the pass pro, I'm not sure it's going to hold up for, um, uh, I think they announced, what's his name? The XFL guy, PJ Walker to be their starting quarterback. If Deshaun Watson doesn't go and my sleeper of the week to close this out is Cole Clement tight end Chicago. Um, he's only 69% rostered. Nice. Um, he's, the, he's the number four tight end in PPR currently. So if, if he's somehow unrostered in your league, go grab him. Um, Bears offense is heating up. He's a great replacement tight end. If you don't like who you have, Calvitz. and hopefully these hit for you guys. I did a little bit more research this week and I was struggling to find the right things, but yeah. And let's circle back. Oh, 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 wait, hold on. 
the kid, uh, the the heave of the week, the oh, heave yeah. of the week. This is an excellent one. Now, give me a just a damn second to <laughs> to get this bad boy set up. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is a Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase play right here. Give us a play by play, play by play. All right. First and 10, Joe Burrow, 20 of 25, 159 yards and a touchdown. This is a struggling Cincinnati Bengals team against a tanking, arguably, Arizona Cardinals team. He's got high wide receiver to the left duos to the bottom of your screen. First down. Shotgun play action snap. With time, looking deep, looking for Chase. He's got it. And Jamar Chase on the deep ball. In stride for the touchdown. For the touchdown. Cincinnati Bengals, and that's your heave of the week. For Joe Burrow, Jared, uh, your mic went out like <laughs> when you went to no say way. heave. Yeah, <laughs> when you went to say heave, it went like Damn. and Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, I didn't just blow up anybody's volume on their thing. Man. <laughs> oh, but, that's so uh, funny! So, there we go. <laughs> But a little surprise, surprise, surprise for everybody. We got the kid. Oh, my God. He's here. <laughs> you know how to you know how to pop in a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Ghost Rose. Yeah, he goes Rose, the Cowboys. Baby. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Hey, we'll Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. You are the hottest quarterback in the league right now, I must pause. say. Wait, no pause? No pause. That London <laughs> London believes that is the new Margaret Margaret Robbie. <laughs> they see that pretty hair and they're like, Marco. we need to have Jacksonville yeah. in London every single week. Hey, you want to know an undefeated record? An undefeated record is words versus Hunter Pool right there. <laughs> words versus the kid undefeated. Oh, yeah, man. well, you're making fun of all the dyslexic kids out there because I'm happen to be one of them. I got dyslexia out the mouth. You're not reading off a screen, brother. You're just saying. <laughs> Anywho, how's it going, guys? Sorry to pop in a little late, hour forty-five into the show. Hey, we're good, man. And you want to? Hey, we got your, you. We got you for the perfect time. Yes, we, I do. Let's get to the kids' picks for the. I got week. them right there for you. Gassed yes, up, son. sir. We got Marky Mark versus Tennessee. Expect you know the uh, the Titans have a really good rush defense, so Lamar's not gonna be able to run like he usually does since he's kind of kind of a running back. So expect <laughs> them to try to target you know Marky Mark a lot more. So we got fifty three and a half over receiving yards. Another one. Jared, you're not going to be a fan of this. I got Drake London over 44 and a half receiving yards. Uh-oh. And it's not because I just traded for him. By the <laughs> way, guys, I only got him. As, I, I'm getting other people that he just happened to get thrown in there. Whatever. I'll take him, put him on the bench. Uh, he's going against Washington. Washington against number one wide receivers gives up. They just had DJ Moore. Which you know that was one of the kids' picks last last week. AJ Brown, and uh, there was one more guy on that list, but those two are for sure. Drake Lundish have a big game. Expect his first hundred yard game of the season. Um, start him if you can on your flex. 
off though as well. Jared, sorry, I had to do the kids' looks. <laughs> but he he will get he will probably have a big day. Expect a couple big passes and hopefully he hits that. Last but not least, we got Mike Evans, Texas A&M Aggie, Buccaneers wide receiver versus Detroit. Detroit, you know, I expect this game to be a little bit of a you know kind of a lot of throwing from Baker Mayfield. Expecting about thirty passes. Mike Evans, uh, he's really kind of a cheat code most of the time. Expect him to get about. Nine to ten targets, and he usually has, you know, he's more of a deep route kind of guy. Maybe gets one of those big ones. I do expect the Lions to win 27 to 17, keep the streak hot. But if you're looking to hit some parlays, I would go with those three guys Marky Mark, Drake London, Mike Evans, all over on receiving yards. Hoorah! Yes, and if you're listening and you decide to watch, you want a visual uh, to get a better look at the kids' picks. You can watch us on Spotify and YouTube, and you can have the little screen up there for you guys. Um, hell yeah, little kids' picks there. Free money, guys. Free, free money. money. Free money. Um, and you did pretty well last week. The only, I think, the only one that uh, uh, Terry McLaurin got close, and then uh, James Cook. It was abominable. But uh, of course, yeah, nothing you just like nothing like seeing uh, the Buffalo Bills. They had the least rushing yards they had in the game since 2014, and I said, "Good fucking talk." Dang, there's a record of the week right there. Uh, yeah. What kind of BS is that, but <laughs> you know well, we, we're moving into our power rankings. Uh, brought to you by Powerade. No, I'm just playing. Uh <laughs> I wish so. Um Jacob, I'm let you start off on your power rankings, brother. And then oh. we'll get down to business with mine. Well, let's get it. All right. At number 35, we have the Dallas Cowboys. All right. Um, yeah, nothing more to say there. But starting at number one, actually, we'll go backwards. We'll start at number 10. I have the Seahawks in there. Seems like they're they're figuring out how to win games. Uh, Gino still ain't writing back. Um, and I think they're sneaking in there at number 10. Got number nine, the Chargers. Uh, they're still kind of suspect. Uh, hopefully they remain suspect against Cowboys and we get a little, we get a little dub. Okay. Next I have the Rams. I know I talked about earlier about how they may not be a great team, but they can beat you know, average below average, maybe sneak in a good team there every now and then. Um, but I have them at number eight next, which I could probably move them up a little bit, but I just didn't want to, I have the lions at number seven. Okay. Next, I have the Jags. The Jaguars continue to play like that. And the hottest quarterback in the league continues to remain hot uh, and look like Margaret or, or Marjo or whatever. Uh, hard to say, Robbie, I think they continue to stay stay pretty good. Uh, and then, uh, I put the Bills in front of the Jags. I know it might be a little controversial, but I think the Bills will figure it out. And they'll, they'll get the train rolling as long as they're not taking red-eye flights over to a game and you know, spending all it's spending 24 hours at the London casino and then showing up and showing and going and playing games. And nobody, uh, nobody, he circles the wagons like the bubble <laughs> when they have to take a play. Um, and then we have the Miami Dolphins. Um, they're gonna be my number four team. I think the offense is still just crazy. Um, hopefully they keep it up. Louvin, you know, Davion A chain. Uh, I think that's going to be a big blow to them. Uh, however, they've got so many weapons on that team, and that offense just 
runs like crazy. So uh, I think they I think they're good enough to to get in that four spot. The next uh, are the Patrick Mahomes, White House, Tyler, Texas own uh, <laughs> Pfizer boys, not Johnson, <laughs> Johnson, Travis Kelsey, greatest couple in, in the world, Travis Kelsey, Swifties, uh, the Kansas City, uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, they're coming in at number three. Uh, go get your jabs if you want to. Uh, <laughs> go Pfizer boys. Um, next, at number two, I've got the Eagles. Uh, regardless if they've been off, on or off, or whatever, they still are winning games, beating the teams they need to beat. Um, so they're coming in at number two. Uh, and as much as it pains me to say this, they should have never moved out of this spot uh, for me. But we got to San Francisco, Brock, Purdy, 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 and they're going to remain there uh, probably the rest of the year, unless drastic injury happens. Um, but uh, that runs up my top ten of uh, NFL football teams this year. <laughs> and passing it on to the Rook. Yeah. Well, here you go. Uh, we've got the juggernauts at number one, frauds, the 49ers. <laughs> They're a fraudulent team, and everybody knows it. I don't care what I've said. Everybody knows they're frauds, and they're going to stay at number one. Um, then you got the quarterback list of celebrity relationships. You've got Mahomes dating the Swifty. I'm sorry, uh, Kelsey dating the Swifty. And then you got Josh Allen dating Haley Steinfeld. Number two and three. We got the cartel at number four, Miami Dolphins <laughs> over there in Miami, struggling, smuggling that cocaine bear. And then you got the <laughs> NFC beast behind the Philadelphia Eagles and the birds that are just a little bit less violent than an eagle, the Cardinals. <laughs> then you got the teams where it's Dak is not your quarterback, so you're pretty good. Uh, Joe Burrow and the and the Bengals, Lamar and the Ravens. Gino ain't right back yet, and the Seahawks and Stafford, future Dallas Cowboy, uh, and the Rams. And then you got Dak is not your quarterback, y'all, but y'all suck, and y'all could use Dak Prescott. <laughs> you got the New York Jets with Zach Wilson, babyface. Then you got Ryan T over there, former Texas AM Aggie, um, followed by Bryce Young and the Panthers, and of course, Russ Trust Bus Gus Wilson, and then. You got a teams with play calls not by McCarthy, and that's Kellen Moore and the Chargers and Mike McCarthy's, McCarthy's former team, the Packers, with Lafleur. Um, both those teams are probably better than us at this point. And you got good poverty. These are the poverty teams that are actually kind of fun to watch, but they'll never win shit. Um, the Vikings, Atlanta, Saints, and um, the Lions. And then you got bad poverty. These teams will never win shit. And it's just bad to watch sometimes, and one of them's in there, but they could easily get out, and that's the Jaguars. But you got the Commanders, who don't even know the name of their team. Uh, the Bears, who's just a monstrosity, no matter how good the offense is. And then you got the Giants, who are playing football without with six people on the field, meaning no offensive line. And then you got eternal poverty. This is post-tribulation, eternal poverty, lake of fire type bullshit. <laughs> you got the Dallas Cowboys – and the Houston Texans in there. Um, oh. you, the only difference between the two is you can find the Houston Texans jersey at the Goodwill down the street 
Whereas Dallas, you have to buy the minimum. You can buy a Brandon Aubrey jersey right now for two hundred and fifty bucks. Um, I so, got a jersey with Aubrey on the back. Yeah, can I? <laughs> <laughs> gifted to Grants. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, one billion percent. Um, yeah. So yeah, just a couple highlighted changes to my actual power rankings. Though I have uh, the Chiefs moved up three slots, number two. The Bills moved down uh, three spots. They swapped um, Bills at number five. Um, uh, the Lions moved up a slot to number seven. Um, Ravens swapped with them to eight, and then you still got the Chargers and Seahawks. Um, Seahawks at nine and Chargers at ten, and then you've got the Cowboys outside of the top ten. Poverty franchise. Um, I was really surprised to see uh, the Saints in there. Yeah, I had the Saints in there as a joke, and then I made the tier the tier maker list. And, yeah, <laughs> and I was because I was gonna say. Because Belichick's loss to the Saints was worse than the Cowboys' loss uh, or Cowboys' <laughs> defeat or whatever it was, um, that the Saints are better than us. And then I was going to put them in the same category as the Arizona Cardinals because the Cardinals are not going to move past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they're with the Cowboys, however, until we until we beat the Cardinals. So, uh, <laughs> all right, that wraps up for our power rankings. We'll do our records of the week, and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Um, I'll let you go first on your record of the week. And I'll All right. My record of the week is hockey is back. So first uh, first game of the – or I guess first slate of the season of games uh, started tonight. Uh, I think we had the Lightning and uh, Predators. We had uh, the Penguins, which they got Sid the Kid, Sidney Crosby, and then they got the new kid on the block playing – playing on the other side of them, Connor Bedard playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, that game actually just ended not too long ago. It looked like the Penguins were going to run away with it. And the Blackhawks, who are considered one of the worst teams in the league because they had the number one overall pick, actually ended up winning 4-2. to um, And then I haven't looked at who the night slate is, but I'm probably going to go watch the rest of it after the pod. Uh, but that's my record of the week. Hockey is back. If you can ever go to a live hockey game, I will put it Stake the claim right now. One of the greatest live events to watch. Playoffs, season, regular season. Your team sucks. Your team good. So much fun to go to. Uh, I suggest you go to it if you can. Track needs to go. Um, I got two tr- uh, records of the week. Whoa, it's, two. Yeah. Whoa, and I just whoa. thought of the second one because Hunter came on. The kid came on and, and said congratulations to the Astros. Well, well, uh, on their win tonight, still got one more to win the series. So hopefully they, the Astros can do that and we can have the gauntlet ALCS that Texas has been waiting for. But AL beast. My, West. Oh, yeah. AL West beast. AL best. And then, so Rangers record 5-0 and in the playoffs so far. A clean sweep of the first two teams. It won't be a sweep in the, in, a sweep in the ALCS. Probably not. Um, but fantastic start. And then the other one, the flip side of things, Dallas Cowboys are since 2021 are 0-4 versus the 49ers, including playoffs. So Ooh, yeah. Sad boy. Sad boy hours right there. Gonna go put on uh some Drake Marvin's room after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go put on some uh I'm gonna go put on some I'm gonna search TikTok sad songs, um, <laughs> instrumentals and just listen to sad piano music. <laughs> um all right 
Well, that wraps up track 17, Sad Boy Hours. Uh, I'm your host, The Rook, and I'm joined by the contributor, The Medical Guy. Um, follow us on the socials at Instagram, track.pod, um, Twitter at the track pod, TikTok, track.unscripted, YouTube, track podcast, and hit the link tree in our bios to find every location everywhere. That's Apple Podcasts, that's iHeartRadio, that's Amazon Music, that's YouTube, Spotify, all of the above. You can find everything there on our website. Um, and you can find us, of course, um, on Twitter tomorrow on a live stream, which we'll be doing every time from here on out. So you can find us there. If you miss the episode in the morning, you can catch it live on Twitter. Um, but per usual, we will see y'all next Wednesday for another Shout of the Script episode of the Track Podcast. Go Cowboys. DC4L. Thank you. Go Astros. Yeah, go right. <laughs> <laughs>